Ecuador's president, Daniel Noboa, has declared a state of emergency after a wave of gang violence took place across the country. The unrest saw two gang leaders escape from jail, prison guards held hostage and explosive devices set off in several cities. Hello and welcome to this Global Situation podcast from International SOS, the leading health and security risk services company. I'm Chris Giles. Well, joining me for this episode is our lead security analyst for South America, David Kispe, and our senior security manager for intelligence and assistance for Latin America, Jaime Lopez Aranda. And David, can you begin by giving us an update on the situation? So yes, the situation has indeed stabilized considerably since the escalation that took place overnight, first on uh, 8 and 9 January, and then in the afternoon of January 9th, which is when we saw a lot of the major incidents of violence in central areas. Uh, Since then, we're now on the third day of a significant reduction in such incidents of of gang violence as a response uh, to the state of emergency issued by the government, as well as the heightened security deployment, including of the armed forces. So we're still seeing isolated and scattered incidents of violence in different cities, including Guayaquil and outlying areas of Quito, uh, but also some traditional high-risk cities like Machala towards the the south coast, as well as Esmeraldas on the the coast up in in the north, as well as kind of some more remote outlying cities like El Coca in Orellana province. And David, can you describe the nature of some of the incidents that have taken place? The incidents we've seen in these locations over the last few days have followed Uh, traditional patterns that we've seen in gang violence over the last couple of years in Ecuador. So kind of small-scale explosives, vehicles being set alight, uh, usually in kind of outlying areas along infrastructure like pedestrian bridges that are seeking to cause alarm, but not necessarily large-scale casualty incidents per se. Uh, We've also seen gangs target police stations in kind of outlying neighborhoods of major cities. But yes, this does represent a a de-escalation in terms of those high-impact security incidents that we saw on the 9th of January, primarily in in Guayaquil. So David, what's the background to this situation and why did it flare up in the first place? So the gangs have been in in control of the prisons in Ecuador for several years now, and this has led to creeping uh, rates of homicides and, and other violence outside of the prisons in in Ecuadorian society, uh, mostly in the cities uh, and primarily in the coastal cities, which we we rate as high risk. Uh, And we've seen over the past couple of years, including in the previous uh, administration of uh, Guillermo Lasso, where the government would try to conduct some security operations to regain control of of some of the prisons, uh, where they would attempt to to transfer some of the gang leaders. uh, And this would result, obviously, in prison riots uh, and then uh, incidents where gangs outside the prison would receive orders to attack the security forces or uh, light vehicles along main highways or in the vicinity of bus terminals, etc. So that was uh, that's unfortunately been more and more commonplace in Ecuador over the last couple of years. What happened this time was that the the new government of Daniel Noboa tried to regain control of several of these prisons at the same time, with also some intended uh, prisoner transfers as well as beefing up the security at these locations. So in addition to the the prison in Guayaquil, which has traditionally been the most problematic, these security operations were also planned in cities like Cuenca, Latacunga, Riobamba, uh, as well as the one in northern Quito. But obviously due to the, the gang's stronghold in a lot of these prisons, as well as corruption in the prison administration system and within the police, word got out to the gangs, in particular two of the major gang leaders, leaders of uh, Los Choneros as well as Los Lobos, those two managed to escape. 
and seeing these, uh, this security operation targeting gangs, trying to break them up. There were uh, ensuing prison riots and incidents of violence uh, all across these, these cities in Ecuador, something we hadn't seen previously. Another distinctive factor was that we saw some incidents that were very high profile and confrontational of violence in very public areas. So I'm sure most uh, people have been aware or, or seen the incident where uh, gang members uh, broke into a live television broadcast in, in central Guayaquil and uh, took hostage the workers that were that were broadcasting live for a period of, of a couple hours. There was also kind of some panic due to reports of criminals entering into the University of Guayaquil. Uh, we also saw explosions in different parts of the, the capital, Quito, uh, admittedly kind of in more outlying areas, as well as threats of, of armed individuals trying to enter public hospitals in several cities. Uh, so this escalation, both in the number of incidents occurring simultaneously, as well as the very uh, public and central location and, and exposure to violence that they caused is, is what really set off significant concerns and has caused us, International SOS, to exercise more restrictive travel advice. Let's talk about that now to our senior security manager for intelligence and assistance for Latin America, Jaime Lopez Aranda. And what advice would International SOS have for people who are intending to travel to Ecuador in the coming days or weeks? Well, right now we're looking at some level of stabilization, but we're still advising to defer non-essential travel because there's a lot of uh, potential volatility for the volatility in the coming days. Uh, essential travel to Guayaquil and our high-risk areas, particularly in the Pacific area of the country, can resume. That was something we were advising against, but that would require stringent security measures, uh, a lot of planning, liaising with local contacts, engaging um, a security transportation provider. And non-essential travel to Quito might be possible in the future, and we'll continue to, to monitor the situation closely. If we continue to see the current stabilization trend, then we would advise that non-essential travel can resume, again, with adequate planning. And hi, mate, what advice would you have for workforce who are in the country right now? We are differentiating the, um, the advice here because we still believe that you should be minimizing non-essential movement in high-risk areas. And the planning of itineraries should be very careful to avoid potential flashpoints for violence. And that the information that you're using for the planning is the most up to date with reliable local sources, international SOS alerts, obviously, and analysis, because there's a lot of false and misleading information right now. So what would your recommendations be because of that? If you're thinking about going to the high risk areas, for example, I mean, the itineraries should be Again, very well planned, closely with local contacts, engaging a security provider, if at all possible. And again, we're talking about essential travel here, particularly high-risk areas. And this is something that is worth bearing in mind. A lot of the incidents have a very high profile, a very high media profile. They may not affect a lot of the, or they may not disrupt operations significantly. However, the overall state of the of these high-risk regions is, uh, is, uh, remains concerning. We've also seen, and this is something that has already been discussed, obviously, but um, again, it's important to note that uh, the police and the army presence on the streets does entail, uh, can entail significant disruptions to ground movement. So all in all, again, is just concrete advice would be just essential trips with careful planning ahead and liaising with your local contacts and engaging a security provider at all times. Thanks, Jaime. Finally, David, with regards to the outlook for the situation, We've heard that things have stabilized, but is there a chance they could flare up again? 
And what triggers should our clients be aware of should that happen? So as we've mentioned, the situation has uh, stabilized relatively over the last few days, and that's a trend we would expect to continue given the current uh, level of security and military deployments uh, across uh, most major cities. So a lot of the central areas, government buildings, uh, public hospitals, media offices after what occurred on, on 9 January, there is a very heightened uh, police and military presence in these locations. So it's it's less likely that the gangs are going to carry out another wave of simultaneous attacks in, in multiple cities. Uh, what we have been seeing and what we'll continue to see are these kind of more scattered incidents of violence, usually on the outskirts of major cities and usually in these western cities that are a higher risk and where these gangs have much more of a stronghold. So Guayaquil, uh, Manta in Manabi province, Machala, as we've mentioned, as well as uh, Esmeraldas. Incidents here are much more likely as the police and military conduct these security operations seeking to target some of the gang's activities. It's unlikely we're going to see kind of a, a widespread direct confrontation by the military targeting these gangs or a series of mass arrests like we've seen in, uh, in other countries such as uh, El Salvador. This is in part due to the, the complex situation with the prisons. So the government doesn't even have control of the prisons right now. Uh, a lot of the gangs are still holding uh, prison guards hostages and still have a high degree of control of a lot of these gangs, which is why it was one of new president Daniel Noboa's main strategies was to slowly over time regain control of the prison system, build new, more modern prisons, uh, and, and then be able to try to start to get the situation under control. Uh, but they don't have the the manpower or the the physical resources right now to conduct a full-on assault or, or or war against these gangs and and imprison mass uh, numbers of people. As such, we view it as as very unlikely that uh, that such a confrontation would be would be initiated by the government, and that is what would what could possibly result in kind of another series of of widespread uh, incidents and escalation like we saw uh, on nine January. But that, that would definitely be a trigger that uh, we are monitoring, that we would advise clients to monitor, is the, the scale of security operations that are carried out uh, by the government, uh, as this could re re prompt retaliatory violence, as well as any renewed brazen attacks in high-impact areas like we saw on January 9th, uh, particularly in Guayaquil or Quito. Those are things that we're continuously monitoring, but we uh, currently assess them as, as unlikely. Okay, David and Jaime. Thanks so much for all your analysis and advice. You're most welcome, Chris. Thank you so much, Chris. Well, that's all for now. But just a reminder, you'll be able to access all the latest information and updates on Ecuador from our website, internationalsos.com. And from there, you can find out about our global network of assistance centers available to clients 24-7. But until next time, thanks very much for listening and goodbye.